afternoon or good evening. I am Max, your commissioner. Welcome to the newest season of the National Pastime Dynasty podcast. I am joined here, as I usually will be or should be, by the only other two breezes that didn't finish in first or last in our league this past year, Huck and John. Guys, how's it going? going all right i mean decently it's good to talk about baseball again i haven't really talked about much since uh you know last year last year left a really bad taste in my mouth so i'm ready for a new year's start yeah last year was the first year i didn't finish in the top three in quite a while it was upsetting but it's okay we got this well i was talking because you suck i don't know i was talking more like mlb wise like just Astros getting knocked off and Dodgers winning and pandemic shortened season and just it just felt empty and I'm ready to write a new chapter. I basically block off the last 12 months of the year from my mind and we're just yeah. starting fresh. Baseball's coming. It's going to be awesome. Yep. Yeah, and hopefully it's completely like absent any COVID issues this year, but first, yeah, I am so Sure. I'm, it's, I said, hopefully, you know, we don't know. I don't understand why they wouldn't be able to get vaccinated before the season starts, but whatever. I, I am so fucking excited for the draft. I'm so excited about us being able to draft in person again. It's only going to be the second time we've ever done it, but the house looks amazing. I think dad did a great job picking it, albeit it's a little expensive, uh, a little bit more expensive than something I would have chosen, but I just, I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, it looks, looks really fun. It'd be nice to get together with people and uh, not be so worried about uh, killing them or their loved ones. Uh, it's, it'd be nice just to talk about baseball and have a few beers. Jeez. Yeah. I plan on having more than a few. Yeah, crawfish. I'm having many, many beers. I don't know that crawfish is going to happen anymore. Yeah, I don't know if crawfish is going to happen. I was planning crawfish and spending a lot of money on that before I knew I had to pay 300 bucks for a weekend. Uh, is crawfish a an expensive endeavor? What is that? Somewhat, yes. And I just want to correct you real quick. It's a $310 endeavor. And so yeah. anybody listening that hasn't paid, please do so. Cause I think only three or four people have, and I'm starting to get real nervous in the business. They call that a segue. <laughs> <laughs> so but what yeah. are we going to eat porridge? <laughs> is there nothing between crawfish and porridge that's it that's the jump it's... only options well i just don't get it like you know it's we've gone this far i don't think we're gonna be destitute might as well make it a thing listen trevor's coming so you know he's gonna bring some yippee ki mini sirloin burgers um we'll probably have burgers and hot dogs and you know whatever whatever else we, we can start discussing food when we get a little bit closer to just... it Trevor sponsored by this burger company or, or, or something? No, it's a little jingle that we used to sing for small burgers. But yeah. you know, it's Inside joke? Inside joke. Yeah. Inside joke for cool. none of you guys that are listening. So Great. Well, considering our audience of like 12 people, the inside joke might actually hit three or four of them. So that's not too bad. Absolutely. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Um, so yeah, excited about the draft. 
what are our expectations for this year as far as COVID goes? I mentioned, I hope that there are no implications, but if we go back and listen to us talking about this a year ago, all the things that I hoped would happen were wrong. We didn't get like most of the baseball season and the baseball season we did get was kind of abridged and kind of, you know, some teams had canceled games and fantasy baseball as a whole was just way more difficult. So what, what are we getting this year? Uh, I, I really honestly think we're getting a 90% product. Uh some teams will not have full stadiums, and I think that has a, a large effect on players and whatever. I think last year it was kind of even keel because nobody really had fans. Everybody was playing in front of cardboard. So, you know, you kind of expected to play in wherever, you know. You'd think on a regular year the Detroit Tigers wouldn't have as much of a home field advantage as, say, the Red Sox or, you know uh, – the Dodgers or people who sell out most nights. Um, I think that might be the case a little bit. Other than that, um, you know, I don't think taxi squads are going to come into play as much as they did last year. I, I know there's been a few cases early on. I think Joey Votto has already been diagnosed COVID-19 uh, in spring training. And obviously you'll see a few others. We've seen the Fran Mel Reyes uh, and Jose Ramirez thing where they were caught eating out and, had to stay away from the team for a little bit. So you'll see that. I just don't think that we'll see like what we saw with the Cardinals last year with, you know, abridging their schedule two weeks and having delays and all the, in the schedule and having to switch everything around. It was such a nightmare, such a headache. I don't think we see that. I mean, the, the vaccines are available to these people. So, you know, I think we'll get back to a, a general sense of normalcy when it comes to the, the season. I don't think there's anything in this world that will surprise us moving forward. I really would not be surprised if something like that did happen because we have no idea. Things could change on a dime, even with what we think should be good. So my expectation is like Huck said, I think that's a good, a good number is like a 90% product. I expect there to be um, interruptions and other things happening, but honestly, nothing would surprise me if something came in and, and completely threw things off. I, it, it would just be yet another thing to happen in this crazy past, uh, past year. So um, I hope all things go well, but uh, I'm not, you know, holding my breath on that one. How far off are we from a new um, CBA? Long way. No, I'm talking like, about like when when's it due? What, oh, it's the end of this season, isn't it? Uh, like I'm not talking time wise. I'm talking discussion wise. They're a long way away, but I believe it's the end of this season. So we could be talking about labor issues come July, August, like it's 1994 all over again. Yeah, I when baseball starts back up, I am at least preparing to treat it as if it's the last baseball season i might see for a couple of years um that's sad that's, that's, that's a very glass half sad. empty it's incredible i don't know about sad, a couple you... a couple years maybe a little bit of an exaggeration like, what, two yeah. years two years you think we yeah i think should no. together for they they i mean i could see them fighting over it for six months and missing a few months of a season um but i, I don't see it being a couple of years 
Dude, they, with the arguments that they had last year for shit that is much smaller, like we're talking, you know, oh, well, the players want prorated pay plus this, like for the, for the COVID year, like there were, it seemed like they were a lot closer on that. And even that was like pulling teeth. I think where the players are from what they want and where the owners are from what they're expecting is so much further than that, that I think we should be prepared for some negative, some negative things to happen. Like the fact of the matter is the bulk of players careers, the bulk of stars careers is still played under amateur pay and arbitration. And the players are like with how good young players are right now, they're just, they're going to want to change that system. Like there's no way they keep that system in place. No, no universal DH, no, you know, anything is going to fix that. Of course. And and I think that they, they probably will. I, I think a lot of it has to do. I mean, if you're talking about the end of the season, uh, we're talking about a majority, <laughs> I won't say a majority, but a good chunk of people's careers. If you're talking about the COVID short last year, and then if you start going into a strike or some kind of, you know, absence of play next year, um, I think you may have had a case for like a big extended absence this upcoming year. If we just didn't come off as COVID, I think things are going to come a lot closer together uh, because people want to avoid, I mean, you're, you're killing baseball. You're absolutely killing baseball. You're, you're given a real big black eye. Um, if, if you don't play two out of three years and especially if, you know, we have a good year this year, people are going to start to come back. Baseball is going to start to thrive again. Uh, People are starting to trust baseball again. Uh, And and so if there's some kind of CBA stoppage, uh, it's going to be a huge problem, not only for the players, but for the, for the owners. I think it's in their best interest to, to come together on some. That's really easy to say, but the reality of the situation is that old rich dudes run this country and old rich dudes run the MLB and they are going to get their way in the end. Yes, there could be some concessions about some of the things because the players really got screwed in the last agreement. Um, But in the end, the owners might make a few concessions here and there, but they're going to get their... Why did you mute me? I didn't mute you. Huck muted you. Why are you muting me, Hook? I meant to mute myself. Sorry, I misclick. Man, thought of, like speaking out of turn, talking about old old rich dudes. Anyway, I mean, there's gonna be a holdup. I hope it doesn't actually cancel any games, but I do anticipate a, a holdup. I I hope that it's not like '94 where they stop short, thinking that it will help the situation, and then it drags into the spring. Um, hopefully it's just a really heated off season and they get something done by spring training, but it's going to throw a wrench in things. If they had been smart, they had, they would have spent the time during COVID to get it done, but they weren't smart. Um, the owners are, are going to get their way. They're not going to, uh, you know, negotiate down to what the players want. That's, that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't know. It's just something I'm dreading. Um, I, I don't, 
I try not to think about it, but again, I'm just going to really appreciate the baseball we do see this season. Um, oh, yeah. So a lot has happened between now and the end of last season. What is the one big headline that each one of you took away that just thinks, like, what's the biggest piece of news that we've had from baseball that sticks out the most to each one of you guys? In what time period? Since the end of last season. Biggest signing. Biggest trade. Oh, biggest signings for sure. Trevor Bauer. Biggest trade's got to be Nolan Arenado. Is it? Yeah. I, I... Neither of those player Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I, I think Nolan Arenado is better than Francisco Lindor, and pretty. Uh, I, I think the the implicate playoff implications of of Nolan Arenado are much higher than the playoff implications of Francisco Lindor. Look at Lindor's stats. I mean, he's not bad. He's not terrible. Don't he, he had a really down 2020 year, uh, but which, which what are we taking from this? And, you know, 60 games um, of a really shortened season with no spring training and whatnot. But I think Nolan Arenado on the Cardinals with that lineup and everything that they have put together is, uh, I mean, that's, that puts them you know, uh, strongly in the lead in the National League Central. So you know, I mean, Arenado bat two fifty three with eight homers last year. Right? I get like like what are we taking out of this yeah. sixty games? I don't, I don't take anything from last last season's statistics. Right. I mean, it's it's tough. It's it, like doing studying, uh, doing research for for this upcoming draft, and you're trying to take these small sample sizes of sixty something games last year. And you're like, ah, oh, this guy was pretty good. Uh, is is really hard because you know there really wasn't that much time. I know sixty games sounds like a lot, but uh, you know who's to say? Who's to say if if uh, a Rosarina is like as good as he looked in the World Series and uh, against the Astros? Who's it's it's going to be interesting. But uh, but yeah, those those are definitely the two major transactions. Obviously, the Barrow one we can't stand i couldn't stand bauer before he went to the dodgers and now he's on the dodgers it's an easy like hate person but uh but yeah so obviously the biggest thing to happen it just makes all of us cry it's the worst possible thing in the world to happen was george springer signing with the blue jays it is absolutely dreadful to look at him in a blue jays uniform However, I actually kind of like the Blue Jays. They have an amazing team right now and some guys that I I really like and I'd really like to root for. So if he was going to sign with anybody, I'm cool with him signing with the Blue Jays. One of my biggest things was, um, and I don't want to call it a failure or a kind of a letdown, but, you know, when Steve Cohen bought the Mets, I thought that they were just going to make this huge splash. Now, granted, they got Lindor. They made some other good signings, and they've uh, improved their team. But do you remember the year? I think it was the year that A.J. Preller took over for the Padres, 
and they <laughs> made all of those stupid trades and signings. They traded Trey Turner and they, they traded all these other fields. Yeah, for James Shields and all this stuff. And it was like, oh my goodness, the Padres have just signed everybody and traded for everybody and they're going to be great. And then they won like 75 games that year or something. I don't know. But, um, but I was expecting an off season similar to that where he was like, Hey, here's all my money. Go sign as many people as possible. Um, I don't know that him maybe possibly losing some money from GameStop may have affected that, but I don't think it would have, No. but uh, at the same time, I, I don't know. It was a, it was a little bit anticlimactic. Um, I think, I think he did well. I think I, th- I agree. I think season. he did well, but I expected it to be, way over the top that's why i'm saying is i guess my expectations were way too high in that i thought that it was going to be something that was going to be just oh my goodness i can't believe somebody is putting this much money into a baseball team after after the, the beginning of when he purchased it um so i i look forward to seeing what the mets can do and what they can do in the future with him giving them their money um, I mean, anybody that's willing is as terrible a person as he really is in real life. I'm happy for him as a baseball owner because he's always willing to open his wallet and make his team better. And I think we need more owners like that. I yeah. thought the Mets uh, lineup was great last year from top to bottom. I thought there was very little weakness. And now, you know, you add Lindor uh, and you add Carrasco, uh, you know, you add some other pieces and, you know, it's still good. But the Mets are one of those teams where, you know, they make some moves and they just don't have it. I mean, yes, uh, it's only been like, what, five years since they went to the World Series? Was it six years ago uh, when they were, you know, the whole Harvey DeGrom, Syndergaard, Mats uh, rotation that was good enough to, you know, to rival the Royals when Daniel Murphy was just hitting every ball that it could that he saw over the fence. Uh, But it just seems like the Mets are like a loser organization. They just don't have it. Um, You know, I'm sorry. Every year, like I said, besides 2015, we think these guys are going to come out and beat the Braves and beat the Phillies and and beat the Nats, and they just don't have it. So it'll be interesting to see if they can – if that lineup really produces the way that we we look at it. I I just – I think – the fact that they still have DeGrom, they added Carrasco, Lucchese, Stroman. Uh, to, I like the Taiwan Walker signing. I know that's not as big a deal. They still have that elite bullpen of Familia, Edwin Diaz, Dylan Patances. Um, their infield now is Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil, Jonathan VR, which I don't care what you think about VR. Like, that's he is the worst player in that infield, and he's still a pretty solid player. Um, I think it's split time with J.D. Davis, but yeah. Yeah, well, he might, and J.D. Davis is good too. You know, yeah. they signed Pilar for the outfield, which is which seems minor, but he's a really good defensive player. Conforto, I think the biggest issue for them is if everybody can stay healthy. That's the go-to for the Mets every year. They don't have Thor. I don't think he's coming back at all this year. Uh, yeah, he'll be back by the summer. Okay, so, well, add Thor to that rotation, and that's scary. But again, if he can stay healthy, it just seems like everybody on the roster is always injured. It's just they fail in the most Mets way possible. Um, yeah, Dominic Smith, but let's not talk about him. We'll just <laughs> keep that little secret. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody knows who Dominic Smith is. Yeah. Um, we'll have like a you know, code word, peanut. <laughs> 
the biggest the biggest thing peanut. that I Hugs can't... drafted peanut in the third <laughs> round. You got whispered peanut. <laughs> Son of a bitch. He got him. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing that I can't like I can't stop focusing on is payroll this year, just across the board. Part of it, I think, is because of COVID, but I think part of it is also just there's no, for some of these teams, there's nothing stopping them from just bottoming out, and it sucks, man. Like, just for for reference, the worst team in the league in payroll in 2019 were the Rays, and they were still pretty good, $64 million. Um, But it, when I say pretty good, they were a pretty good team. There are... Pretty good. They made the World Series. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They did okay. They weren't embarrassing. In 2019? Yeah. Okay. 20, uh, okay. That's well, what I'm mean, talking about. I'm not talking about 2020. They, uh, I'm talking about 2019. 2020, everybody's payroll was cut. It's like six pandemics ago. Right. So now, including the Rays, there are five teams below that mark. The Indians are paying their team $40 million this year. Pirates are paying 43 Keep in mind, the Dodgers payroll is currently at 238 like yeah, the Astros paved the way. The Astros showed them how to do it and make a good team and win a World Series. Plus, you know, a little a little trash can on the side. Yeah, but sure. you know, I mean that that's the thing is they were the example. Why, if the rules, this it also goes back to the collective bargaining agreement. If the rules are going to allow you to do that, why would they not do that? I I completely agree. It just, I think it's bad for the game. It just sucks. You know, I think it sucks just like I think the shift sucks and the fact that, you know, not the shift itself, but people not, I guess, adjusting to it. People not teaching players to hit opposite field. Um, the same way I think people wanting three true outcome players, like home run, strikeout, uh, walk, like that's it. I I think there's a lot of things that are wrong about the game right now, but this whole, there are you know, 20% of the league, they're just not even trying. Like, like we're looking at the Rockies who went from having a, a team full of solid players, um, 157 million in payroll. And now they've cut it down to 104. And that's just because they're stuck with some guys' contracts. They would cut it by more if they could, you know, like it, I don't know. It, it, to me, it sucks. The league average payroll since 2019 has dropped 20 million. And so I uh, I would like to associate that for the most part with COVID and the uncertainty of the collective bargaining agreement. But part of me is just like, this is, this is what John said, what the Astros did. And I really hope that they find a way to fix it. I mean, how do you fix it? Well, you got to reach 50 million. All right, let's go ahead and give our third base and just go ahead and give them a couple extra million. You know, you got to hit, you know, a certain number. It, it's, it's really hard to to fix, and I guess the end goal for everybody, uh, you know, if you've seen Moneyball, it's a little tough to to stomach this one, but the end goal for everybody is to win, is to is to win a World Series. Some is to you know make money and stay under a certain uh, you know salary point. So but, tell that to the owner of the Indians. Right. Yeah. No. I I get it. They want to move into Miami and. And uh, you know, start the the franchise over. Um, yeah, I, I think I We've saw seen movie. that movie. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's it's his wife took over the team. Yeah, no, I right. get it. But uh, but but no, nah, I mean the Indians were one of the best teams in the AL two years ago. 
I think the Pirates yeah. are the team and they that didn't re-sign any of those players. I know. Yeah, none of them. But they're all they're all like thirty, and you could say that's that's in their prime. But I mean, a lot of the good players they have when they were it's like Michael Brantley, who yeah, he's killing it for the Astros, but he's what thirty four. Making no good points right now. What Carlos? Like, Car- yeah, no, they're thirty, but they're, they're at the prime. end of yeah. their they're at their end of their whatever. The so biggest free agent pitcher of the year. Uh, they got Shane Bieber. They have Shane yeah, Bieber. They do they have, have Shane Bieber until he signs with the Yankees in a couple of years. The Indians are not the Pirates, okay? The Indians have uh, some really good starting pitching, and they have a MVP contender in Jose Ramirez. The Pirates for how long? Okay, sure, you can say for how long. I'm talking about like right now. The Pirates are like like a minor league team. They're name their starters from top to bottom. You can't can't do it and name the rotation obviously you won't know probably the three four five starters until opening day or until around then they won't get drafted in our in our fantasy draft uh that's a sad team that's a team that sold josh bell for nothing that's a team that you know that's that's doing like what you're talking about i don't think the uh spiders or indians or whatever you want to call them um are gonna uh are it's fair to put them in that conversation right now I think it's fair to put them in that conversation just because of like the pirates have made dumb trades. Like I honestly think it, that's just mismanagement and it's dumb. Like, it's just like, okay, well we keep trying to hit the reset button and do that smart thing and start with young players. And then once they come into their prime and we're not paying them much, we can sign free agents. And I think they've just done it really poorly and like have been mismanaged. The Indians had, a team that could be a world series contender any given year. And we're like, I don't want to pay him. I don't want to pay Lindor. You know, I, I, it's time. It's time to hit reset for no reason. And this is institutional. This, this isn't something that just came up with the Indians. They didn't pay CC Sabathia. They didn't pay Cliff Lee. I mean, this has been going on for years in that organization where they develop these amazing players and then they don't get anywhere with them. They get right at the precipice of winning a championship, but they can't get over that hump and they just need something to get, get over that hump. You know, you think of, um, you know, when the Astros sign, and these are very minor, but um, when they signed Carlos Beltran and uh, some of those guys, and they brought in some of those extra, extra pieces to really help get over the hump um that was that was huge for them and that really helped them win a world series and the indians were never willing to go that extra mile and to re-sign the the amazing players that they developed they've let everybody go for years and i understand someone can sit here and argue well they're not gonna waste their payroll by paying these guys millions and millions of dollars when they're off their prime. I mean, you know, just look at Albert Pujols playing right now. Um, I get that, but you still have to put in some effort to bring some of your guys back and not let all of these amazing players go, which is what they've been doing for 15 years. And they made it to one world series because they had an amazing group of talented young players, but they're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, that's, that's frustrating. I agree, Max. The Pirates are just mismanaged. If they had some decent management, they, they had some good teams a handful of years ago. 
Um, I think they've just been mismanaged over the past few years. I, I think a lot of these teams ask themselves, and, and not this is wrong because it's not wrong. Uh, you know, are we World Series contenders this year? And if you're not, uh, then we're sellers. At, you know, whenever that time comes. And the goal is to let's try and get to that point where we can answer when we ask that question, the answer is yes. So the Pirates, are we contending? No, we're not. All right. And so we're not going to try to put a World Series lineup out on the field this year. We're not. Next year, we're not. Next year, we're not. And then eventually it becomes, yes, we are. And yes, we can be in this conversation for whatever. Now, I would say, yeah, there's probably a handful of teams that are going into this being like, no, we're not contenders. You know, I'm not going to name them all off, but, you know, like Rockies and and Pirates and Royals and, you know, even Orioles right now and Rangers, all those people can say, no, we're not contenders. And so we're not in the business of signing somebody like Ryan Braun or somebody like, uh, you know, that's 28, 29, who probably can get us some decent exposure. It's interesting, but you see somebody like the Giants who are doing that for whatever reason and putting decent, uh, you know, products out in the field and signing these mid-level free agents to, you know, pitch or, or, or play defense. Um, so it's not everybody, but, you know, the goal is to win the World Series – the Astros won a World Series. Um, we could see in six, seven years, once the Pirates come back up and they've won a World Series, uh, you know, go after people like Verlander or such, you know, uh, big players as Verlander. And then we're just complaining. We're just yelling into the void um, while teams like the Indians, who are trying to do what the Astros have done uh, or did, haven't won a World Series since 48. So, But they're not trying to do what the Astros did. They're, they're trying to do what the Astros did as far as raising young players. But what the difference in the Astros and the Indians is when the Astros got there and they had the young players within their prime coming up, the Astros signed Verlander. They signed the, you know, the guys that they needed to get over that hump. Do you remember the year the Indians were, it might, I don't remember if it was the year they won the world series. It was right around like probably 15, 16. They had this amazing team with, with Kipnis and Jose Ramirez and Lindor and, and the unbelievable pitching staff that they had. And you couldn't name any of their outfielders. They had like Tyler Naquin starting in the outfield. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Roger I just, Davis. Exactly. But it's because they weren't willing to kind of put that, put that forward. And, you know, I mean, like, Lonnie Chisenhall isn't good enough to be your right fielder. Go sign somebody on a two-year contract, pay them some money, and that might get you over the hump. Maybe that, you know, finishes the game in a uh, rain-delayed extra inning game seven World Series game. I don't know. I, I get that, but it's not a foregone conclusion that they would have been contenders the next year or whatever. Uh, they still have a lot of, I won't say a lot of their players because they just got rid of Lindor and Carrasco um, and, and Santana signed elsewhere. Uh, but, you know, it, it's not, the, if they re kept re-signing these players, the reason the Astros were so good is because all these players that came up uh, around 15 and 16, you had 
Correa and Bregman and, uh, you know, Altuve was probably, you know, five or six years in, uh, but you had a lot of young guys, uh, George Springer, who it's like, man, they're going to be with us for a while. They're, you know, we've got a good team, not only now, but we could be a dynasty that extends uh, 2018 and beyond. And yeah, we only went to one more world series since then and, and whatever. I'm sorry, two more world series, correct? No, one more world series. No, just one. Just one. Uh, but, but we saw an opportunity. We kept saying yes. I just don't think the Indians had that answer. Are we contenders? Yes, whatever. And right now, I mean, if you'd like, they could sell Jose Ramirez for a whole truckload of prospects. They could sell J- uh, Shane Bieber, even though that's not smart, for a whole truckload of prospects. Uh, and become somebody like the Pirates. And maybe we see a different Indians team, whatever. But I think it's whatever that they're still trying to build around these guys, at least for now. We'll see this summer if they become uh, whatever. But, you know, I'm I'm not hating on the Indians as much because I still think they're a, a decent team. They're like a team that can contend for that title. I mean, they're not. They're probably not going to be the White Sox. They're probably not going to be the Twins. But they, they're better than the Tigers, and they're better than the Royals. And so you can't really put them in, you know. Better than the Tigers and better than the Royals is one hell of a litmus test. It's in their division. We're talking about in their division. I'm not sure they're better than the Royals. You just like the Royals because they've made some changes. The Royals are making money moves. Been intending, baby. Yeah, Royals are trying. They are trying. And and they have some people coming Um, up. So here's my proposal, okay? What if they take and change the revenue sharing system that the league currently has to they alter it in a way to basically incentivize trying to field a competitive team? Because if you sit there and say, listen, if you make if you win a hundred games and your payroll is 125 million, you'll get a bonus 40 million out of the revenue sharing. And if you win 65 games and your uh, payroll is only 40 million, then we'll pay for 5 million of it. You know what I mean? Something now that's obviously not an exact equation, but basically something that says if you, if you spend money to put a better product on the field, then from a revenue sharing perspective, you're putting a better product out there and people are going to want to watch it more often. And so as a result of that, rather than a flat rate, that people get and then obviously the playoff revenue and things like that you scale it in such a way where you know if you're the fucking pirates and you're not willing to pay anybody to play baseball and you're willing to send out a team that is going to lose 100 plus games you are losing money like you're leaving money on the field you would make more money theoretically as an owner trying to win games so yes you could do that or also you could do the reverse drafts like we do in a lot of fantasy leagues. Um, if you were just outside the playoffs, then you get first pick. And if you are last place, you are perpetually in the middle of the draft. And, you know, keep teams from tanking or a lottery like uh, like basketball does, you know, keep teams from tanking. I'm just not sure it would work as well because I don't think I think the space between the number one overall pick and the number eight overall pick isn't like it, it's not as wide as it would be in the NBA or NFL. I think we can all name the one ones for the past, you know, 
five or six years, maybe even but, a decade. But you get what I'm saying. The va- okay. the skill yeah. level between pick one and eight, like the skill level in the NBA between one, one and eight is like all-star and guy you've never heard of. You know, in the NFL, it's it can be the same thing. It's the difference between Andrew Luck and really good offensive linemen that didn't end up being very good, like Taylor Luan. Still would help. It, I know, I and I completely agree with that. But at, at at a certain point, if you you have to make it so that you can't make as much money if you're putting an inferior product on the field. Yeah, you probably not, for the game. You're probably not selling on any tickets either. Nobody wanted to go to Astros games when we were bad. Uh, that place was empty. Yeah. You could hear a pin drop. Historically bad, though. Yeah. Historically bad. Three hundred I mean, lost the, seasons in a row. The Pirates were really bad two years ago, and I went to a Pirates game, and it was a, a Pirates. I think they were playing the Tigers, and that place was full. You know, I, I mean, that's the thing, especially in a COVID world, when you can open up and have fans. They're going to be so excited to go to a game they're going to make money if they if they can fill it like they've already said the rangers will fill the stadium if they can fill that stadium the rangers could win 25 games this year and they would make a ton of money because thousands of people are going to want to come to the game so first so, year the now granted this year well that that's true first that's year true. stadium yeah. so so there's a lot of of pieces that work into that but i think that you know people still will go to games yes the the uh, stands aren't near as full as say Red Sox games or or games of people who are you know doing great. I'll bet you um, the games in Chicago for the White Sox are going to be amazing this year, but people are still going to go to the games. Owners are still going to make money. I mean that's that's how old rich dudes run the world. They know get how it. to do it right. I mean we talk about the Pirates too. The Pirates have the number one. Sta- I mean it's voted. A lot of people I've never heard a bad thing about PNC Park. Uh, it's people yeah. voted number one. It's uh, overrated. I'll be honest. It's over. It's not as, it's not as great as I thought it would be. Really? Uh, I, yeah. M- like on all these blogs and stuff. And I know you don't, you shouldn't read into that. You should experience it yourself. Uh, I've never been, but you know, it's, uh, I've never heard a bad thing. I've it's people say it's beautiful. I went to the Jake and, um, PNC park. I went to the Jake. Hannah just asked me, "What's overrated?" I went to the Jake and uh, PNC Park on the same trip, and I enjoyed the Jake way more. I thought it was it was much nicer, much cleaner, had a lot more to do. Um, the PNC Park draw is the view. The view is gorgeous. You walk downtown, and Pittsburgh is a really cool city. They have some really cool breweries and some really cool things to do. Um, but when you see those yellow bridges, it's absolutely gorgeous. But when you get inside the park, it really wasn't anything different. There's nothing inside the park that really stood out to me. We even took the PNC tour. Um, now, you go to Cleveland and you go to the Jake, that place was unbelievable granted they had dollar beers for two hours leading up to the game so i was pretty hammered but it was unbelievable um going to the jake that that night i I enjoyed it much more than pnc yeah well okay that's a lot of baseball talk that isn't fantasy related you guys want to jump into some npd stuff yeah i guess we can sure 
Yeah, I guess. Sure. Maybe I guess. I'm sure whoever's listened right now or whoever's listening right now is like, when are you going to start talking about my team? Um, before we start talking about teams keepers and, and value and things like that, let's talk about the proposed rule changes. So I didn't get any new submissions aside from the ones that I mentioned in the video, um, which I was a little surprised by. I thought Huck specifically had a rule change in mind that he never submitted. I, to be honest, um, I built my team around that rule last year. Uh, and so if that's the way we're going to play, I'm, I, to be honest, I'm as long as we have triples, as long as there's baseball, I don't give a shit. You guys can do whatever the fuck you want. In but, that order, triples first, then baseball as well. Well, I mean, one requires <laughs> the other, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, yes, I, I very much complained about this, but it wasn't so much complaining as it was uh, making sure everybody in the league knew what they were doing and what they were getting into. And, uh, you know. Exposing John. No, not, I mean, yeah, exposing John, but also, you know, letting people know, listen, we are changing a rule to from, you know, walks. We have walks per innings pitched, right? Or what was it? We walks? used to. K to walk ratio. Yeah, K to walk. And we changed to walks. That greatly affects the bullpen that was our first year right last year was our first year yep. uh it totally tanked my team it's the whole reason i didn't make the playoffs yeah i'm just i'm just saying you know i just wanted people to know the effects of what was already happening uh or you know in our league and it didn't really fucking matter because the six weeks was a total shit show and if you planned or tried to do any strategy during the season uh it didn't really matter because those six weeks were just off the wall but worth noting i think both dad and sutton who made the championship had pretty good starting pitching on their rosters right exactly that's what i'm saying like it, it was you know it it was whatever it, it didn't really come into play uh it's more of i to me yeah, i mean over time i think that that's that strategy works better uh you know it's like if i came in with the strategy and all this you know research on on weekly stats or whatever. And then, you know, somebody like Randy Arena comes in and just blows it all up, hits 20 home runs. Then you lost this week. doesn't really matter. Um, no excuses. You know, they like a champion dad's championship is legitimate. The Dodgers championship is legitimate. I'm not an asterisk person. I'll never be an asterisk person. So uh, it was, you know, it's fine, but I'm just saying, uh, statistics did not come into play last year like they normally would. Okay. Well, with that in mind, we know the rules. Like I, I've, I think I've already made myself pretty clear on how I feel about some of these rules. So I'm basically just going to be asking you guys uh, the Yelich exemption. We did it basically last year. Like it, it was, it was a, in a COVID year, we I kind of used this idea. We voted it in temporarily. Um, it's something that Matt asked for a couple of years ago. How do you guys feel about the Yelich exemption? I think it's stupid. Thank you. I'm glad we I agree on you, this. If you want to, if you want to keep someone on your team, keep them on your team. Uh, we haven't talked about DL spots. I don't know if we've discussed that at all. Don't get I off get this rule. Sometimes don't get no, off. But this what rule. I'm saying, I, I'm I'm saying it's related. In that last year, we instead of two DL or IL spots, 
we added a couple of IL spots and we had some more space. And so the rule wasn't as important, but when you have two IL spots and which we know you can get to September and have three main guys that are, they're injured or somebody that's coming off um, the IL that you're holding onto for the playoffs or, you know, may not be a keeper. Um, And so I'm not sure on the number of IL spots that, that we are, looking at we're gonna have to talk about that here in a little bit but um put a guy in in one of those spots and if he's not worth it then drop him that's just part of the game i i I think it's dumb uh anytime you start making exceptions well i'm gonna drop this guy but then i get him back i still own his rights no if you need to keep somebody keep him on your team it's 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 a cop-out to not have to make tough decisions playing fantasy baseball Sometimes you have to make tough decisions, you know, Dane Santana, keep him in second. No. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, that was tough. That, that was Ooh, tough. Yeah. Yes. Whoa, 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 whoa. But, but giving up no, your keepers already, but no, but Yelich breaking his legs, sliding into home. Uh, and you're like, well, uh, I don't, I don't think I should, uh, should have to give him up, you know, cause I know he's going to be a great player coming up, uh, but I still want to win a championship this year. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. What the hell are and, you talking about? Your best player, the person that helped you get to the point you're at now, is now hurt. And you live and die with the team that you drafted and then you put together. Why do you think why do you think you are above having to make tough decisions? I don't I, And what's to make you say what's the difference? And I know there's a huge difference, but what's the difference in that and me saying, "Well, you know, uh, we expand it. Well, I have Justin Verlander on my team and he's not going to play this year, but I want his rights because I want to keep him next year. So I'm going to keep him on my team, but he's not going to take up a roster spot. That's ridiculous. You know, that's like whenever you drafted uh, Jameson Tyone in the 15th round or whatever, well, I'm going to drop him even though it's April 5th. uh, And I want to, and I know the rule only covers like the last month, but I'm saying it's kind of a slippery slope. If we say, if you can drop them for the playoffs, then why can't we expand it to the regular season? And then it goes on and on and on. I just, if he's not on your team, you can't keep him. That's very black and white. Anytime you put any kind of gray in there, it gets to be frustrating. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, so I, I introduced this rule this past year because people had, you know, seven, eight players on the IL. It was a weird year and it just, it it made some decisions easier for people. Multiple people used the rule, but in a regular season, I'm completely against it. I mean, yeah, whatever you can do to make their lives easier and make this whole league easier on them, you know, we got to do it, but that's, it was no last year. Very was... frustrating last year. I, I mean, how many people really used it and what players were they used for? Well, first of all, you used it for Shohei Otani. No, I did not. I did not. He was on my team to the very end. Uh, What about show high hitter? Show high hitter. I could have show high hitter. You had the option. You had the option saying I would like to, I'm dropping show high hitter, but I'm using the rule. Yes. But I did. I chose not to do that, but, but I, I did that just out of spite. I wasn't actually considering it. I want to say there were three other teams that used it. I'd have to go back and check my notes. You Um, don't have this offhand. I mean, come on, this is, Stuff that you had to manually go in and add these people. You don't remember? Give me like one example. 
Um, These are things you should know, Max. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure Andrew used it. I'm trying to figure out which player it was. If I could pull up the damn riveting stuff, by the way. Uh, Okay, Andrew didn't use it. Oh, yes, he did for AJ Puck. See, like, all right. I mean, it's whatever. AJ Puck's awesome. Here's the thing. We all voted. It was a it was a majority rule, and majority said yes. This year sucks. Whatever, um, but for a regular season, I'm with you guys. It's it's I it's not something I'm going to be it's, voting. This it, month, it, yeah, it's training wheels. Moving on to proposal number two, the Sorgi rule. Um, John, you've dealt with this probably more than anybody, and that's. Having, my teams are fucking awesome. Sure, right. Having teams or having players that are on good teams that get rested more towards the end of the season because teams clinch playoff spots. Do you guys think we should shorten the regular season for fantasy? Yes. I I, I think we should shorten it a week. Although I will say this. Huck and I played in the championship a couple of years ago and my team performed offensively better than maybe any team I've ever had in my entire life. Um, they just absolutely blew up and, and Huck never had a shot. There was, it, I would be interested to go back and see how that team did historically for a week compared to, um, you know, other teams. So Max, you need to get on that statistical analysis, but um, it, it was a great week, but I was playing a lot of people that weren't on my team in August because of those last couple of weeks. So, I mean, that's going to happen in September period. That's why I think shorting it, shortening it too much can be a mistake, but I think shortening it one week would help um, that ability because we know guys make the playoffs based on five or six players. And sometimes those five or six players aren't playing in that last week, either they're resting or their team sucks and they've already benched them because they, twisted a finger or something like that. I mean, anything can happen. So I think one week is, is a good amount. I think last year, and I'm not for or against this, you know, obviously I'm, I'm like somebody who likes to do things the way they've always been done. You know, as far as fancy is concerned, I'm all for new baseball rules and new baseball, whatever. I like the seven inning double headers. I like the universal DH and kind of, I'm, I could go either way, but anyway, what I'm saying is, on this, yeah, I th- there's lots of points. I, th- I think, you know, Dad ended up winning last year, but uh, uh, Mike Trout didn't play that whole week, I don't think, um, just because the Angels were out of it, and it's Mike Trout, and you kind of want to hold on to him. And he had some nagging whatever. But in the week before, Mike Trout definitely did play. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, just what we've seen from fantasy football, uh, you want to put the team you drafted out there. Uh, you want to put the people that brought you to where you are uh, to have them play. You don't want a whole new lineups. You don't want to get beat by, you know, young kids who came up uh, in, in October, September, October. Um, you want to, you know, uh, use the people you drafted. So again, I could go either way. Uh, if I, if you really had to put a gun to my head, I'd say, yes, uh, we shorten it. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm like right in the middle on that one. 
Okay. Yeah, I would shorten it by, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm good with either one, but I do think it needs to be shortened. I specifically would want two weeks, but I would take one. You'd only get to play me once, so that's disappointing for you. No. Uh, what would the, uh, I don't remember the numbers offhand, because no matter what, we don't have like an even cut of, you know, we play 15 games against the rest of the league. Right. There's no way we could play a 15, a 15 week regular season. Cause that would be way short, but what is the regular season now? Is it 22? 22, 22. So six people twice. So basically, and this, this comes into play on the next uh, rule change proposal, but yeah, it's, you would pay, you would play uh, six or seven people twice. Six. Right. Six. six. Yeah. So, and <clears throat> that does come into the, to the uh, divisions discussion, but um, I'm trying to figure out if we could leverage that in order to really find a better way to decide one or two, but I, I don't think it matters because you either play five people twice or six people twice or seven people twice or whatever. So fun fact about the schedule. Um, every year it is... So I used to think it was randomized um, and starting last year, I think I actually went and looked at it. The way it's scheduled is that teams in alphabetical order are more likely to face each other twice and it kind of scales down from there. So if my team starts with an A, I'm going to face the teams that start with B, C, and D twice. Is that how it works? It's alpha order? That's how it used to work. Now, every year when everybody signed up, I click shuffle. Okay. I feel like, did you recently shuffle again? Uh, maybe. I feel maybe. like I'm facing somebody different than I was. Who were you facing? Uh, Tony and Paul Goldschmidt's gay. Now I'm oh. facing Oscar snubs. I'm not complaining, but. <laughs> um, I don't know. I No, I haven't done it recently. Um, it's, but I'm looking, it is indeed shuffled. It's not that stupid regular. So in the commissioner settings, there's a regular season matchup matrix and it tells you how many times you face each team. And it was like a through D, you know, like it, it ranks it, it starts at the top and goes down and it would just match you up alphabetically. It was a stupid system. All right. Well, get to the next one. Okay. All right. So we're more or less in agreement there. This is the big one. This is the big one. I think that is, is the boldest and most bizarre of our rule change proposals, the realignment two divisions. And we could do several things with this. You know, we could, this could change playoff seating or it could not that we have that option. Um, No idea how we would choose who's in what division, um, would add an extra layer to trade negotiations and from a scheduling perspective would simplify things significantly. You would just play people in your division twice and everybody else in the league once. So, is that, uh, that right? Uh, yes. You, there's eight people in a division, including you. Uh, you would face seven other teams in your division. So you'd face 15 teams plus seven is 22. So... Um... I, I'm against this. However, I could be talked into it because of the scheduling issue. Um, I, I will say the perfect thing about fantasy football is you have a 14 team league. You play everybody one time, the playoffs work out. It's, it's perfect and it's even and it's easy. 
and I, I love it. And they're going to screw it up if they wind up adding an 18th week sometime. But I, I want that in fantasy baseball. I want some bit of normalcy, but I don't like the idea of playing some of the teams twice as many. It works out great in MLB, but in fantasy, it's different. The only way I would maybe uh, be convinced of this is if we shuffled the divisions from year to year. And the only reason I say that is I don't want to get stuck in a division with four really, really good teams and it's amazing. And they're battling it out constantly, but then, you know, the, the other teams make the playoffs that don't have the competition that we had. Um, And because our league can be kind of top heavy at times, and we have some of the same people making the playoffs every single year in different ways. And it does get shuffled sometimes. Um, I think that it could be the balance could be there. Plus I love the competition. I love to face everybody regularly and be able to talk trash with everybody regularly. And I don't want it to be where I only play Huck once in a year um, every single year for, for eternity. Well, you can now, be in my division. If, or, and now if exactly, but that's what I'm saying is if we did that and we decided to shuffle the divisions, then you would have a, but that would take away your rivalry thing that you really are looking for, but that would even up the schedule and still allow you to have like a single season rivalry against other teams and things like that. But uh, I, I don't know. I I don't know that it really fits. All right. I love this idea. I like, or I also take into account what John said. I, I love this idea because I like new wrinkles added into uh, strategy and stuff like that. And Max, you're right. With trades, you don't want to trade somebody that you're constantly battling with. You have to face twice. Uh, you're competing with whatever. Um, but like in European soccer, you can, and this is just an idea, hear me out, you can be relegated. And if you're last place, uh, you may be able to be switched with, you know, the person that was in last place in the other division, whatever. But the champion gets to choose which division you go in and replace whatever team they want with it. uh, That's... That's kind of interesting. Like, I hate playing against Max's team twice a year, so I'm going to take the last place team, put him in my division, and I'm going to move Max to the other division. Like one switch? Yeah, one yeah. switch. Just a just a a, a swap. So just now, one switch per year chosen by the champion? Chosen yeah. by the champion. Exactly. And, I mean, and they get that, to choose. I that's think that's fair. cool. I mean, okay, I yeah. Like I mean, it, you know? But that's, that's fair. Can uh, we add an amendment? But, but, listen, but uh, you're also, your argument about uh, being stuck in top-heavy, whatever, is only getting worse. Because these this person that wins championship uh, may take another person that competes in the championship because you're choosing another good team and you're replacing them with, you know, a team that's not so good or doesn't really have the passion or doesn't really pay attention that much. So, you're just making it easy on yourself after you just won a championship. I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, I, I kind of like it because it's really hard to stay at the top. I mean, people don't really win year after year after year. They're in competition to win year after year, but they don't just win year after year after year. 
Um, we probably have about, I would say, eight or nine teams that every year are like in competition for the championship. And then about seven teams that are, you know, just kind of out there doing whatever. I mean, and, unless you're looking at last year. Last year, there Exactly. Was, it was very shuffled. Again, 60 games, you know, we had five weeks. It was, you know, whatever. Uh, but, but yeah, I like this because um, it does add that extra rivalry. I would like the playoffs to be uh, top four in each division. So that, and four plays four, three plays three, two plays two, one plays one type of thing on uh, either side. So that you're mixing divisions. So you face each other in the playoffs. Um and, you know, and it sucks that if you're in a good division, you're not going to make it. But that's just how it is, you know, whatever. If there's one really bad division, so be it. Maybe they'll be better next year or whatever. I mean, but this happens in real sports, you know, where in NBA, the Eastern Conference just is not as good as Western Conference most years. Um, you know, it's just it, it adds a whole and a, a rather large um, wrinkle to our league and um it's it's an extra talking point for sure. But the only thing I think about it is it, fantasy baseball isn't nearly as, six, as cyclical as professional sports. And with the dynasty aspect of our league, you know, you, you're not necessarily going to have a year where the Phillies and Mets and Braves and Marlins are just downright awful like they were like three years ago. And now almost all of those teams are amazing. You know, know, it it just, it just doesn't happen that way. I don't know if you can really call fancy baseball in specific, uh, more specific, our league uh, cyclical because we haven't really played with the same people for that long. I think the people that we have in the league now, this will be our third year playing with them all. And we still have some people from the first draft that we ever had that are still pretty good keepers. I think Kershaw and Trout and, you know, some of these other people that were uh, drafted in the first ever draft are still like good keepers. So you can't really say that it's not cyclical because, you know, there's not a big enough sample size. There's not a big enough sample size, even though it is what, like eight years, seven years. If you look at the keepers, look at the keepers between the 16th and 22nd round this year, and it's it's more packed than the first four rounds are, which is something we've yeah. never seen before. And it's because, A, we've got a little bit more consistency. Like Huck said, this is our third year with the same people. And B, this is the smartest the league has ever been when it comes to baseball. Like, I'm sorry. we at I the, agree. In the past, we've always had dead weight. Now, I would argue we don't really have any dead weight. And if you you try and point out, okay, oh, this person's the worst owner in the league, and I say, well, they made the playoffs last year and you didn't, what are you what are you going to do? You know, like what? I I look at some of these keeper lists and I'm like, some of them I think they're really terrible, but at the same time, I did the same thing last year. People made the playoffs. Same thing the year before that. So last year is just can we... well, no, but I do agree though that all it takes is for folks to look at Jose Altuve in the 16th and Chris Sale in the 17th. And Corey Kluber, when he was in his prime in the 21st or 22nd, and people go, man, and they see the importance of 
rounds 16 through 22. I mean, I researched more and y'all know my strategy last year, but I researched more most of the time for rounds 16 through 22 than I do for rounds one through 10 because rounds one through 10, I'm taking, you know, the best available guys. And so um, I agree that the league is smarter than it's ever been. Uh, everybody is improving on that front. I mean, I've seen even Brad take minor league guys. Jeez, that's, you know, out of the blue. So, um, you know, uh, I think that that's a good thing for, for everyone. And I, I can see that we need more data to really understand whether that cycle will continue. But in the recent years, it's it's been kind of top heavy. I hope that changes. I hope there's more parity. And I hope that other teams begin to contend. And I think other teams are beginning to contend and are improving. Um, but I could see that the division thing could, could be a bit of an issue. That's why I like the idea of shaking it up every now and then the, the relegation idea is definitely interesting. Yeah. I And I think we should take a vote on it this season. Obviously, I don't know. I mean, it's up to y'all, but we couldn't do it this season. Maybe we do it next season, but Oh, we definitely could do it this season because let's get to that fucking rule change. My sponsored rule change of let's vote now and change that shit instead of waiting a year, because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I still like the waiting a year because as long as it's pre-draft, it doesn't really affect as long as people aren't uh, their Their whole team isn't affected by a rule change. That's the thing. These rule changes are happening after keepers were submitted. So no, but I that's the thing is, is we could be, we start texting about this in January. We could have rule changes due on February 15th. And then the rule change vote is March 1st. And then the keepers are due March 10th. I so mean, the, that, the, that's the thing. The rule change happens before anything happens. And the rule change takes place that year. You know, let's let's knock it out and get that done so that we're not waiting a whole year to alter these changes. Because like when we added walks, we were like, what did we agree to add? I have no idea. And we have to go back and look. Max, you know, you had to go back and look at all the rule change discussions because we didn't remember any of them from a year ago. Whereas if you make it now, it affects the season now, and that's what everybody's working towards. That's why we have a Google Drive, so I can go back and look at whatever the hell we talked about. But the uh-huh. rule change rule to change the rule change, change the date <laughs> won't happen until next year. <laughs> that's thing. That's, Fucking stupid. Yes, yes that's, we'll get into some rule inception. Um, I don't know. I'm willing to discuss it at the draft weekend. I'm also I'm looking forward to just getting drunk and talking about the potential realignment for like 10 hours the night before the draft too and then we just here's my deal right there right (laughs) there here's my deal i i am kind of torn because i love the in-person discussion let's get together and let's everybody that's at the draft talk about these rule changes and the good sides and the bad sides and everything like that and if we do the rule change rule change rule then obviously that isn't possible unless we do it via Zoom and a 16-person Zoom is an absolute shit show. It sucks. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know that that's ac- actually possible and we would miss out on that, but we wouldn't have to wait a whole damn year to change that. a rule. And this is why attendance to the draft is so important. And I don't know who's going to listen to this, who's 
not attending the draft. I mean, you, that you, and it whatever. makes the damn draft house not three hundred and ten dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's that, true. That'd be nice. Uh, but I say personally, if we're going to do this in person, I if we're going to do divisions, we do it Goliad style. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the Battle of Goliad. Black beans, white beans, just cool. pick it out of the pick it out of the bag. You don't have to die. You just have to go to some uh, a different division. <laughs> well, depending on who you're in the division with, it could be worse. That's um, true. I so I personally like the idea of taking the two people with the highest career regular season win percentage and having them draft divisions. And it would obviously be I'm going to pick who I think is worst first, and it's and that's it. That's how you're you talking about from last year. Uh, no, no, just overall. overall. This is a dynasty. We've been doing this for ten years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just um, so he's saying you're you're more drafting people than drafting teams. You're drafting yeah. managers. So yeah. last pick will be like somebody's good. Yeah, like last pick would probably be John. So you don't want to be first pick. Yeah, if you're first pick, then you should take it personally. And you're in that person's <laughs> division. So yeah. It gets real, real hectic, real fast. First two people kinda, in the division, I, they're really mad at each other. I kind of <laughs> like. I think that would be a lot of fun. Just, yeah, just, if you're listening to this, let's pressure this to happen in like two weeks when we. Anytime there's more draft opportunities, I think it's great because if you remember a few years ago, I pressured for a minor league only draft. I wanted to do like <laughs> let's just drive draft minor league players. Everyone can keep their like seven or eight minor league players because i was going to add the five na's to this rule change but honestly i got busy and i didn't um (laughs) but i still think we need more na's like three is okay but if we really want this to be a dynasty you need to be keeping five or six minor league players. We need to be drafting 18 year olds. Just so we're keeping score here. John is trying to eliminate the weight of your rule and add five NAs this year. (laughs) Yes. For whatever reason. Yes. (laughs) Not that difficult. Yeah. I'm, I'm very clear on this. I mean, everyone (laughs) knows this is how I feel. Yeah. This realignment rule change is fun though. Like, yeah, if you're listening to it, if you're listening to it, like let's, let's let's do this let's, the devil's uh, in the details I, I, I will say that no matter what the devil's in the details and there will people that ha- there will be people that hate the idea of somebody who has a better record not getting in the playoffs because of their division somebody there will be multiple people that do not like that and i understand it i think so i i've been waffling on this rule for the last like year and uh, at this point, I'm like, it's, it's fun. Like all the stuff we're talking about, it's really fun. Like I, I like it. it I like the idea of picking yeah. for the two divisions. You want to go to the draft, drink some beers, eat some crawfish, and start some fights by getting picked first. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, but I mean to be honest, and again, I, I don't want to like hate on anybody, but the people who probably who aren't at the draft, do you think they probably get picked first? I mean, to be honest. Um, it depends. It, it, it there there could be legitimate reasons for people not to be at the draft, but I can't see that being. Is there a direct in. correlation of people who aren't in the draft and team talent? Uh, Tony that, that, and Brad are two-time Tony. champions. Besides, uh, let's not talk That's... about Brad's championships. It's such a black eye on our whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, four of our championships are not attending the draft. The other people not attending the draft are Victor. Who um, I think you're you're insinuating Chris, who has a legitimate reason. Ah, uh, Chris, yeah, okay, that's a little tough. There's Chris, a lot of people not coming. 
Chris yeah, turned the podcast off when I started talking shit about PNC Park, so we, we can say whatever we <laughs> oh, want. Oh, yeah. As soon as, as soon as like he got deep into the Pirates conversation, he's like, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Fuck you guys. Um, yeah. No, Chris had a legitimate reason. I mean, a couple people have legitimate reasons not to come this year, and it sucks. I hope in the future we just get rid of all illegitimate reasons. And like my dream is 16 people. Let's not get into this on the podcast. You know, my I, brain's going to explode. You started it. Okay. Yeah, well, you, I'm sorry. If you're not coming, you're getting picked first. And not only <laughs> not only because you didn't come, because your team sucks. Um, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this at the draft house. I do think this I would is not draft Tony first, but I would not draft be in the running. <laughs> yeah. John Gray in the 11th round. <laughs> Get in my division, buddy. <laughs> Okay, let's get to rule change proposal number four, the loser's bracket. Huck, what do you think? The loser's bracket? Oh, oh, loser's bracket like uh, like we do in football? Uh, no, no, it's it, this would be something. So you have to like basically... beat people. You have to win games. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I, I think baseball is a little bit different um, than football. I, I mean, I it's less dramatic because uh, the difference between like Levi's pick this year and Adam's pick this year is like not that much one in three while in football we do it. It's like a huge deal, you know, yeah. uh, in baseball, you might, there'll be years. I mean, you look at this year, Chase kept Jordan Alvarez at number two, number two doesn't get a pick. Uh, so it's like one of those things where, Chase is fighting to keep Jordan Alvarez, whether at the first pick or at the sixth pick, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's cool, but it's a very, very minor thing. Yeah. Huck's right. I mean, the difference in Patrick Mahomes and Matt Ryan is way different than the difference in, you know, whoever's going to go first and whoever's going to wind up picking Joey Votto too high. You know, I believe I mean, Levi said he's picking a royal. Uh, if, great, wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, but I mean, you know, I, I just, I, I don't think it makes as big of a difference. I think it's fun, but it would be fun. I still think you would have people that wouldn't wouldn't pay attention that or or that wouldn't take it as seriously. The reason I like it is. And this is some people see this as a good thing and some people see it as a bad thing. I kind of see it as a good thing where it makes the best teams really stay on their toes because in the last three weeks of the regular season, if you're out of it, you're out of it. You're you're probably still putting your guys in starting lineups and you're moving your guys around, but you're not constantly looking at the waiver wire. You're not constantly picking up the best players. Those guys are kind of reserved for the best teams in the league. Whereas if there is a loser's bracket and you are fighting for that higher draft pick, then you might still be picking up those waiver wire guys and snagging them from playoff teams. Some people will look at it as, well, they shouldn't be taking those guys. The playoff team should be the ones taking those guys. But I like the ability of everybody's still in it. Everybody's still fighting. Everybody's still, still going towards it. So while I think it has less importance than it would in football i still think it's it's helpful and i still think you might have two or three more competitive teams throughout the season because 
even though the first round pick isn't really that big of a difference, like it is in football, having those two close picks in any round to me is valuable. I love having picks close to another one another because I can pick two guys that I want um, rather than having picks in the middle where I'm not sure what my next round pick is going to be. So off of that, I want to mention, is there any scenario where somebody would purposely tank the, uh, the consolation bracket? If you got to get like, a middle pick to get like, yeah, just so you, why get, would you want a middle? Because pick? you have a first rounder that you want to keep and you want a better second round pick. Oh, so you're talking about your so tanking uh, the losers bracket because you have to guys get a better second round pick, I guess. But like I said, then you get a worse third round pick, and I, I mean, I can't see somebody taking it that far, looking that far ahead. The thing is, is the draft class. Like once again, it's different than football. In football, I can tell you what possibilities are going to be there in the middle of the second round. And I'm really going to like those possibilities um, in our league. There's no telling it, uh, it in August, who is going to be there in the middle of the second round in the draft. It, it just, it just doesn't happen. So I don't think that would be an issue. Um, I, I don't know. That's really, really thinking ahead. I, I think it's just more trouble than it's worth. Honestly, you don't Dick. make the playoffs. You don't make the playoffs. Maybe you're right. That's it. Levi will just take Well, and the problem is, is, would it have to be done manually? Yeah, if it, it has to, to be done, done manually. If it has to be done manually, then that's a real pain. Uh, yes. Right. There's, no, there's no option for it? I thought there was an option for it. No, no, there's no option for it. Nah, that's too bad. Yeah, let's scrap that. Um, okay. Moving on to scoring changes. We have three different ones here. Uh, Saves with net saves, steals with net steals, OPS with on-base percentage. John, I'll let you start. How do you so feel? the uh, everything net, I think, is is the way to go. Um, I think as much as I hated save percentage, it made it so much more exciting when a closer was on the field because it gave more opportunities for wins and losses, I think. Um, you know, if I'm facing a guy who is beating me in saves by one and, um, his guy goes out on Sunday evening or his team is playing on the Sunday night game, at least I know I have a shot because that dude could get a blown save. Granted, it's a tiny shot, but it's a shot. Um, and so I enjoy the, the net steals and the net saves. I would definitely vote for that. The OBP, I get the argument that a home run counts for, you know, eight categories and, uh, um, and walks don't, they count for a third of one. Yeah. Um, I understand that and it does devalue it, but at the same time, I would rather get rid of average and put OBP in if that's what we were going to do. But I, I really like OPS and that has no value in it. Uh, saying that this is a better stat than the other more than me just saying I like OPS. I, I don't know how to explain that. I just, I do. So I, I wouldn't vote for that one. Yeah. I'm the same way. I, I, my blood pressure is significantly lower um, than it was last year at this time or the year before at this time. Uh, because triple was on the table. 
Well, no, net saves and net steals is fine. It's one of those where I could go either way. Um, I like steals. Um, we've never really had like a stealing percentage. So in the history of our league, we've never really taken a hit for um, for people getting caught. And it might be cool to be like, what are you doing? Don't run. Like fat, some <laughs> fat guy. Like, Luke Voigt, why? Why are you doing this? Um, you know, that might be fun to – to to you know have you know, come into the league um also saves yeah you know i missed the save percentage i missed the blown save lost me a week um that would be cool to have a meltdown um you know i'm sure sutton would not appreciate it because blown saves come in all shapes and sizes uh blown save could be you know in the eighth inning and the seventh inning so um so yeah uh i like those nets the on base percentage yeah, I agree. I like OPS. Um, I think it's a good calculator. People like on-base percentage um, for different reasons, and I think on-base percentage is a good indicator of somebody's value. But I think OPS is a really good indicator of some value, at least in modern baseball. Um, modern, If we're talking about year 2000 maybe uh in the 90s and the 80s on base percentage was obviously a better indicator but uh nowadays you got to hit for power and power's the name of the game um and the people that bring you value through steals and uh, runs and whatever are going to be the obp guys um so Yes, I, I do like OPS. I, I think that is a good indicator of, of today's hitter, and um, I think we should keep it. Again, I'm somebody that likes to keep what we've always done, and we've always had OPS, so uh, I agree with John on this one. All right, uh, keep in mind, I'm not saying removing OPS from the game of baseball, because I also like it as a stat. I'm just mm-hmm. saying for statistically significant reasons, taking it out of our fantasy league, but... I understand where you both are coming from the next rule change. I've gotten some, uh, some hate on my, on how I mentioned it in the last video I sent out the old fogey rule where we get rid of holds and we replace holds with innings pitched. Um, ironically, like uh, two weeks later, the athletic comes out with an article basically saying innings pitch needs to be something when your statistical categories in mm-hmm. fantasy baseball. So what do you guys think about, I mean, granted, this rule change proposal is getting rid of holds and replacing it with innings pitched, but do, is there any variation of this that you guys like? Well, I obviously like holds. I use them quite a bit with my relief pitcher strategy that Huck has um, discussed at length. So I'm not a fan of removing holds for innings pitched. However, as I've talked about before, I am a huge fan for removing categories and um, lessening the amount of categories we have. And I honestly would not be opposed. I actually would probably be in favor of removing wins for innings pitched. That reason being that I think if you have starting pitchers that can go seven innings, even if they don't get the win, that is so valuable in today's game. If you have a pitcher that can go seven innings, eight innings, you know, very rarely do they go nine innings. It is incredibly valuable 
Now, with the MLB rule changes where you have to face three batters, you have less relief pitchers that are that are pitching a third of an inning. Um, they might be pitching two-thirds of an inning and walking somebody. But at the same time, um, I do like the innings pitch stat. I do think that it has value, but I would not change holds for it. I would be open to replace wins with it, but but not holds. At the same time, like I said, I want five or six categories on offense and um, and pitching, and I think inning, innings pitch could be one of those five or six. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm never getting rid of holds. I think holds is a great stat. Um, I think that uh, I know it's a little off topic, but I think that fantasy football should have O linesman pancakes. Um, I think everybody should be involved. And when it comes to fantasy sports, everybody should be involved. Everybody that's on the field or everybody that's on the court. Are you um, saying that you would quit if we got rid of holds? No, no. Stop planting that flag. No, uh, but no, I. I if you get rid of holds, you're eliminating a uh, ton of players in the MLB that we are just never going to draft. I mean, do you agree with that? That we're just we're we're counting yes. these players irrelevant. Um, and right now, they are very important to what we do weekly. It, this is not just a change in category. This is a change in roster structure. Um, because what you're now you're fielding. Uh, more relief pitchers than there are closers in the league. So we have to take away the relief pitcher spot. Um, and then that, that extra pitcher spot is forced on a starting pitcher. So y- you're changing up so much uh, for the reason that you just don't like the hold. But the hold statistic uh, is to give these people who are very important, who get paid a lot of money to do what they do and to get good at their craft, um, that it gives them a statistic to be judged by. Hold is a there, is a good stat. And there are so many teams these days. I mean, if you look at a list of fantasy baseball rankings of closers, there's like maybe 13 or 14 closers you can look at and go, yeah, I trust those guys will be the closer for their team as long as they still stay healthy. And we know even those 13 or 14 are not guaranteed because they're either going to get hurt or they're going to do something stupid and lose their job. Um, Less than half of the league, I would say uh, has their, their closer in place that will be the closer for the rest of the year. And there are so many teams that, you have a guy who might pitch the seventh, might pitch the eighth, might pitch the ninth. That's a fantastic pitcher that will get great ratios, strike a lot of guys out, but he might get some saves, some holds. And if we take away holds, that makes that guy a a much less valuable fantasy player. Whereas he's in super important for his team. So I, I agree that you're cutting out a huge amount of players. It's like not drafting defense in football. You know, uh, you're taking away all those different players that you should be rostering. Um, so I, I agree that we need to keep holds and um, and we need to be able to have that as as a category because it really grows the league and it really makes everything better. Diego Castillo, 15... 15- I'm sorry, 12 saves in five years. And 
I mean, this is the guy, this is one of the guy, the premier people that we watch uh, in the World Series and against the Astros. He's like that pitcher that we didn't want to face. And we're just not going to field him in fantasy uh, because he gets a save like three times a year. It's, it's, that's, to me, that's just, that's dumb. You may disagree with the way a hold is scored, but just realize that the definition of a hold is the same as the save, just not the end of the game. And when you start thinking of it like that, then you can start think of them, thinking that about them as, on the same tier as a save. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, God. <laughs> All right, continue. Okay. Um, so, sorry, there was a little, uh, little bit of technical difficulties there. I got, uh, I'm not getting into it, whatever. Yeah, because um, Max requires two computers to do one podcast. That's just how important my input is. Um, so I, I made fun of uh, replacing holds with innings pitched. After reading that athletic article and after talking to Kevin, I wouldn't hate the idea of doing saves plus holds, which is what a lot of leagues do. Combining saves plus holds, they would still have the same value, or I, I guess it would make closers and good holds guys just as valuable as each other, um, as long as they have good other metrics. Which They're just as valuable as each other right now. Uh, right, so it doesn't change much, is what you're saying. Um, that totally goes back to my my removing categories argument. If you remove categories, saves plus holds is perfect. I'd be fine with saves plus holds. The problem is that would add too many. That, would, that means there would be more hitting categories than pitching, at which point I would be fine adding innings pitched because an every a third of an inning pitch is – a third would, of an inning pitched is an out. Whew, that was tough. Um, so innings pitched are outs. So I there I guess there is – I, I kind of looked at this rule change as a joke. Uh, Thank you. Until it was put that way. So. Oh. Well, oh, no, you're not saying your joke. Here's the thing. Innings pitch is not a uh, talent indicator by any stretch. It very stretch. much is. No, it's not. If you can use, it's using all five of your moves. It's, it, I mean, that's, it's fielding a lot of pitchers on your team. While I not mean, ruining your ERA, while not getting too many walks, while not ruining your win. I, I, I do agree. It's, it's streaming. I mean, but that's, that's it's similar not a talent to indicator. how you can do with, but you can do that with wins now. If you can stream and Your win team has wins. to win the game. I mean, there's people like Degrom, who is just historically has not been a win machine, because he gets no run support. Um, but and I understand statistically, that. you can, if you start more starting pitchers throughout the week, you have a better chance of winning the wins category. I start three starters every single week, and I never win the wins category, but I win ERA and WHIP and all of these things. Um, you know, innings pitch requires your pitcher to do well requires your pitcher to stay in the game if you have a starter that only lasts two innings it crushes you that much more because they had a terrible outing if you're measuring innings pitch yeah they got you nothing like you didn't even get the inning pitch innings pitched value why is that so hard for me um but you also didn't get the win quality start your whip went up your era went up you know it just i I don't know i I it it kills the strategy of of whether or not we should have 
uh, people have holds or people have saves. It's just have relievers. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely do not like the idea of removing holds for innings pitched because innings pitched to me is a starting pitcher category and holds obviously is a reliever category. I think you need to level them off. You need to have multiple reliever categories and multiple starting pitch, you know, so if you did do saves plus holds and then replace it with innings pitched, uh, I, I think that, um, you know, that kind of takes a little bit away from and adds more value on the starting pitcher. There's, Whereas we, I like it to be kind of level. There's really no need to change anything. I mean, this is like saying, you know, combining steals with RBIs. It's just, it, it's, it's frustrating. I, mean, I don't, I don't. Cool. Uh, no, nah, I mean, it's just, it, or steals plus runs. It just, to me, it's like th- there's distinct differences between these players and there's reasons that we draft them and their strategy. If you want to just have two categories of hits and strikeout and pitching strikeouts, we can do that and see who wins. But I'm just saying this creates more strategy. It makes it tougher and it, and it really uh, brings our league to a new level and not, we don't want to be like everybody else. We want that. Like I talked about earlier, there is a league that, just has relief pitchers that they just draft relief. That's very unique. They just draft relief pitchers and they have like 10 different categories just for relief pitchers. It's, it's amazing. Um, you know, we, d- I don't want to be those five, six, seven, eight category uh, leagues. It's boring. That's it. We are unique. This is the way we've always done it. And this is the way it always should be. Okay. Answer me this. Who's a better steals plus RBIs player, Nelson Cruz or Jonathan VR? Ooh. Ooh, Jonathan VR is going to split time with J.D. Davis, like I talked about earlier. So, Nelson Cruz. You would go with Nelson, 41-year-old Nelson Cruz. Okay. Yeah, Jonathan VR is not going to hit 10. He might steal a base. He might, well, he might, or J.D. Davis might get hurt, and and VR might hit 25 homers again and steal 40 bases. No, yeah. he's not going to. So, uh, yeah, no, no. Anyways, we're laughing, worth- a, we're laughing about steals plus RBIs, but some guy in some back room was like, what if we just put together on base percentage and slugging and made it its own category? I mean, but that's a that's a stat, you know, whatever. Yeah, just All like right. the magical steals plus RBIs stat that will be coming out in 2026. So yeah, we'll I'm I'm planning on being at the draft house. I think our check in is at like three, and I'm I plan on starting my like cracking my first beer at like 3:01, and I anticipate us voting on these rules at like eight or 8:30. Um, I can't, I can't wait. This is going to be a complete shit show, a complete mess. So much shouting. Um, uh, it's, it's going to be a blast. So either way, looking forward to it. Let's move on to another topic. Let's start talking about people's teams. Give me your three best teams pre-draft, you know, factor in keeper value, factor in how good the players are, who is starting off, who's going into the draft with the best team, top three, John. I uh, just opened the um, draft board right now for the nicely first time done ever. All right. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I, I work a lot these days, so I, I haven't really had time to look at this. So, Huck, why don't you talk? I'll evaluate it for about three minutes, and then I'll give you a very, very educated answer. Uh, I think by far, um, Chris has the best keeper team. Uh the way he's set up and he kind of has stolen some people um, at opportune moments. Um, I traded him 
uh, Luis Robert a few years ago, which is an extremely uh, valuable keeper. And uh, what is it, the 20th round? Um, let me see here. Yeah. He is in the... Oh, where is it? It's the oh, 20th, eight, yes. The trading block. I'm sorry, I, I lost his team. In the 20th round. Um, and, you know, he's... Every one of his players has value at where they are. I like Walker Bueller, Javier Baez, hit or miss on that. But uh, as far as future stars, uh, having Julio Rodriguez and Jason Dominguez, Luis Robert, and C.J. Abrams um, all on the team is really good. I think he's really set up his team for years to come and be contenders this year because Luis Robert is not a prospect anymore. He's not a rookie. He's a you know a young player that's really good um and at that spot pair with cody bellinger he is the best and you're gonna be surprised by my number two uh person here i i really honestly if we're just talking about keepers we're not talking about managerial skills or effort or anything like that i really like levi's team um ozzy albies is a top 10 second baseman it's the last slot fernando tatis may be the best upcoming player in the major league baseball at 19 Aaron Nola is a starter for a NL East contender or the number one starter um he's got decent uh up up and coming guys with Sinzel I'm sorry not Sinzel uh Trammell and Manning um and then he has some uh, decent upper echelon guys I think Joey Gallo is going to be a have a really really good year and eventually not be on the Rangers later this year um but I he the knock on Joey Gallo has always been his average and striking out. And last year in the limited, you know, whatever we saw last year, uh, he improved upon that. And he has every year uh, in the last two or three years. So um, Joey Gallo is a, a solid number three pick. Um, I like Levi's team. Anytime you have Fernando Tatis Jr. in the 19th round, uh, that's, that's a great keeper team. So wait, uh, and like I said, I just opened this. This is serious, right? Uh, Brad kept a non-JT Realmuto catcher and John Gray. What, what the fuck yeah. is happening with the world? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why we don't talk about his two championships. Um, all right, and then third, um, Matt's team is my third. I wanted to, it was either him or Trevor, so Trevor gets honorable mention. But every one of Matt's starters with the uh, exception of Patino, I like Patino coming up, uh, but Patino is one of those questions. Patino, oh, fine, whatever. There's uh, an accent in there. I yeah. put the accent on it. And uh, and I'm gonna tell Kent, Stephanie Huck. Yeah, Kenta Maeda, um, the ninth pick, is like one of those where I mean it's a ninth pick, so it's not gonna kill you. Um, and he did have a pretty good year last year. But every other one of those, Soto, Bieber, Bogarts, Vladimir uh, Guerrero Jr., Yelich, Hura, and uh, Blake Snell, all really solid picks at the, at that round. A really, really good base. I think he's got – and he's got them spread out so well. I mean, you're talking Soto, one pick. Bieber, two picks. Bogarts, two picks. Maeda, two picks. Guerrero, two picks. Yelich, two picks. Uh, Hura, I mean, that's – Hura, one pick, Patino, one pick, Snell. Like, he's literally got this spaced out. Like, I don't know how he did it, but uh, it is very pleasing to the eye uh, when you look at how his team's set up. So, 
the and like I said, you know, Trevor gets honorable mention, but uh, but uh, the end of his draft just doesn't look as solid. I mean, Abreu, Acuna, Story, uh, Freed, Eloy, Brantley, Conforto, Bichette, great start. I just don't like Bart, uh, Kopech, Lodolo. I'm not just like big fans of them. So, so yeah, I'm giving Matt my third. John, have you had enough time, or do we need to give Max? Some- yeah. So I mean, not necessarily looking at this as which team is best. Um, but the thing I really enjoy looking at this draft board is the number of young players on this, on this board, the number of up and coming, like, like we talked about, and we've talked about multiple times where we see the value of somebody drafting Mike Trout in the seventh round and then getting to keep them forever. Um, when I look at the draft board and I see, Mackenzie Gore and Adley Rutschman and all of these young guys and, and being kept, I'm very impressed with, you know, the future of, you know, we don't know if they're all going to make it or not, but it's really cool to see some of these unproven guys. Um, the amount I, I'd be interested to go through and mark how many you would consider unproven prospects and proven major league players or value in that round are being kept. And the amount of Joey Bart's on the, on the draft board, which we all knew Trevor was going to draft Joey Bart and we all knew he was going to keep him. But at the same time, um, you know, I really enjoy looking at this and looking at the young guys that are being kept as a, a possibility because I really love the dynastic element of this league, which is why I want us to have more NA players. So that's what I like because, you know, even though Victor's going to keep Forrest Whitley until Forrest Whitley's like 36 and still is only never pitched in the major leagues. um, It's nice to be able to see that ability to be able to keep these young guys. So I really like it. Um, I, I think we see a lot of the popular picks. People have some, some good teams Max doesn't have to show up to the draft for the first like three hours. I'm going to be so drunk by the time I make a draft, (laughs) but he has good players. He has some really good guys. I mean, he's got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Anthony Rizzo um, just sitting there. So, you know, there's some really good players being kept. There's some really good teams. I think it can still be won or lost with good or bad drafts based on where people can can take it and we all know that a lee a, a season is won on a week-to-week basis um, there's not a lot of seasons that are won with the draft now in like dad's uh case he's had some amazing keepers over the year that have led him to a lot of wins and some very successful teams and so you know when you build that base which is what my goal was with having seven in a guys last year um, of building that base of keepers that you can have for a long time, then, you know, maybe that does, does build you up. But I think there's so much that can change in the draft, despite the fact that ev- there are teams that are starting with a head start than others. But I will say that it's much more level this year because I'm not looking, I mean, I can see some teams are better than others, but I'm not looking at those teams I mean, there were a couple of teams in the past where you look at the team and go, there's not one guy on there I'd want to keep. And, and I don't think you can do that now. I don't think you can go through and look at the teams and have a consensus 
last choice amongst the keepers. Whereas in years past, it was very, very clear. There were two or three teams and you're like, all eight of my keepers are better than every single one. I of don't those know. Three you teams. just said, you literally just said, like we have a, if we had to put together a list of least valuable keepers, um, I, I believe, I truly believe two of them would be on the same team. Oh, well, yes, but Goldschmidt and Harper are still valuable. And That's it. Austin I mean, Riley everybody has any, those. And he has Francisco Lindor in the 17th round. This is why he won a championship. You know, Brad, we're talking about you, Brad. I know you're not listening. I know you haven't gotten this far. That's not listening. But he didn't keep Encarnacion. Still talking oh. Uh, is is uh, Huck just made a face? Is Brad in the room with you, Huck? No, Brad is not in the room. <laughs> Blink twice, or Brad's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I mean, you know, Brad's got good keepers. He won championships off of Bryce Harper and Paul Goldschmidt, and, and that's that's basically what it breaks down to. So uh, I, I, there's not a team you can look at and go, "Oh my gosh, this team is just awful." Um, everybody's got some players where you look at going, wow, I wish I could have my Clevenger in the 12th. Um, I tried to trade for Casey Mize. I tried to trade for Keston Hira. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of value out there that every team has. I'm impressed by that. Yeah. So John, the question was, uh, yeah, just, just let it go. Just, you just tell me who you like. It was, there. It was, it was Next, a politician's answer. It was, it was a general. <laughs> it, was, it was a real, I forgot to look. At it was a YMCA. Everybody about. wins. Everybody Absolutely. has good teams. You know, to I've John's been point, busy, dude. To John's <laughs> point, you know, one of the things that I love seeing looking at the draft board is remember when John drafted Acuna a couple of years ago, I couldn't get like i could not mock him hard enough for taking acuna in the fourth round i was so excited about that acuna in the fourth is a freaking incredible keeper it's by far the best keeper on trevor's team now so you look at chase and like mackenzie gore is super unproven and he's in the seventh round um but i can't question that anymore andrew vaughn has not played baseball in the majors yet and he's in the seventh round i can't question it because of guys like acuna so yeah the, the the young players on the board does it makes all this a lot more exciting. That being said, my clear cut one, two, three, my number, bleh, my number one is dad still. Um, sorry. Mike Trout is, is the best player in baseball. Garrett Cole is still going to be a top three overall starting pitcher. Dad only has one player kept in the first six rounds. He has his first three round picks. You realize how that would feel like I don't have a draft pick until the seventh round. And I think I have a good team. But is that, that keeper has... value or is that draft value? It's both. That's that's what we're talking about here. Who's going into the draft of the best situation? Dad's already. Oh, got that the... was. I didn't know that was the question. That I was the have question. To change. I might have to change my answer because we're changing the question mid sentence. It was you? who has the best keepers and the value that they have. I mean, hypothetical picks was not in the situation. But anyway, go on. Okay. Well, so. I like uh, Alec Baum. I like Chris Paddock. I like Trent Grisham. There we um, go. Corbin Burns. I was way too drunk to pick him in the last round. I had him, like, it was in my notes, like, last round pick Corbin Burns. Make sure you do it. And I got drunk, and, and Dad ended up getting him, and I tried trading him for him all last season. I think he's going to be an outstanding value moving forward. 
Um, he's one of those spin rate guys. But yeah, I I still think Dad has the best keepers with no NAs. Um, so I, I you know that's it is what it is. Second best I would say is Andrew, and I was surprised you didn't mention him, Huck. Um, you know, if why would just, I? Well if, well, if you're looking, you're obsessed with Nolan Arenado. First of all, he's a lot better. I said than, it was. I never said I was obsessed. I said, said it was he's a he's good transaction. Well, why don't you go marry him? Yeah, why don't you marry him? Then? Biggest transaction in the off off season, Nolan Starling Arenado. Marte. Oh, oh, what are you dating him? Starling Marte in the twenty second. Only a moron would trade him. Um, Glaber Torres in the twentieth. Only a moron would trade him. I'm talking about Huck and I both in separate trades. Um, Severino on the 18th, trading Jason Dominguez for him last year. I think it was perfect. I think it was an awesome deal for him. He was trading somebody that's not going to play baseball for multiple years for Severino in the 18th. Is AJ Puck NA or how did he keep this many guys? So AJ Puck is NA. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, AJ Puck's a major league player. AJ Puck didn't, it, the rule for last year was he, he didn't pitch enough to be not qualified a rookie. Oh, okay. So he's an NA. Did, he had surgery, right? He had... Yeah. Anyway. He's, I swear he's been an NA for a couple I years. I still count nine. Yeah. Marte, Torres, Severino, Arenado, Kirloff is not an NA. Uh, Tucker, uh, Seager, Seager, Darvish, Darvish, and Gio. That's nine. Oh, yeah. Uh oh. Counting... No, no, no. I didn't screw this no, up. No, 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 no. If no, if Kirloff, so, if you're counting Kirloff oh. as an NA, I seriously don't think that he's an NA. You don't think so? No. Are you sure about it? I don't know. Kirloff Maybe. made his major league debut in the playoffs last year. Okay. Kirloff is an NA. He has never played a regular season inning. All right. So he is very much an NA. That is his third. Well, it so, wasn't any wins. They lost twenty-two in a row. But <laughs> but when you look at but when you look at this, um, you know when you talked about the the value picks and and the reason people are keeping these younger guys. I mean, I look at some of these guys. I remember the year Alex Bregman was drafted, and this, and this really started my NA obsession. The year Alex Bregman was drafted, um, I wanted to draft him in our fantasy league so it was the year after he was drafted and um and i thought well i'm gonna draft him in the last round but he's never gonna play this year so he's just gonna sit on my bench and waste a spot and it's gonna be pointless and then he came up in august and was amazing and then i wound up drafting him in the second round the next year um i drafted Kevin biggio in the last round and i dropped him because i needed a roster spot i drafted <laughs> kyle tucker in the 17th round one year and I had to drop him because I needed a roster spot. Um, you know, I, I mean, I you guys listen guys to this moron? personally, <laughs> right? I personally have drafted some of these guys and I really like seeing that. Okay. They wound up, you know, as younger picks, uh, same with the Acuna pick. I mean, it, I like the idea that we are drafting younger guys way way higher than they should be drafted because you never know if Mackenzie Gore might wind up being the best pitcher in the league and is a seventh round steal you know um I I I really like that aspect like I said I like the dynasty aspect of our league more than anything else I like the idea of building a team rather than drafting a team like you do in football yeah let me tell you I've drafted half of y'all's teams so 
half y'all's keepers are my people that I brought up and milked and fed and they grew into adults and I trade them to you for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I'll never get rid of George Springer. Thank you. Yeah. I'm sure all of you have one. Um, <laughs> I think I, I ran numbers on this last year. I want to yeah. say like I, I, it was in my power rankings. Like you, the, there really is a farm of players that Huck has drafted and is no longer keeping. Yeah, you can add Adley now to that. Yeah, awesome. appreciate that. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty stoked about John's that whole team is just my team that are my <laughs> people. Uh, so, but uh, it'll, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, not so. Andrew's my number two. Um, I like Giolito and Darvish. I mean, he he's got good guys at the beginning and at the end of the draft. I think he's got a really good base. Um, and he still has available rounds there, early, middle, and late. So well-balanced team and then i think matt i like matt's keepers every year um yeah visually um, pleasing right yeah That's, it's that space nice. he's got it's, some good players it's nice um not to mention like blake snell patino uh yelich keston Hira, all late um add that to whatever you expect out of vladimir guerrero bogarts juan soto bieber like it's his team's his team is fantastic before the draft has started. Um, can, so. can we just go through all these teams and question the legitimacy of all their players? Uh, make sure that everybody's. I tell you what, it's we're okay. Well, first of all, no, you can't. Aaron Judge, twenty one. Are you sure <laughs> he has too, way too many keepers? It's your fault. It's your fault. He has Aaron Judge in the twenty first round. Didn't you tell him to pick him there? Yeah. It doesn't really like count, count. That's another guy I drafted and 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 <laughs> dropped. Well, I traded him to Levi and Levi dropped him. <laughs> So I'll be completely honest with you. My team doesn't look very good because <laughs> I have so many unproven guys in a year. They may look amazing. If a few of these guys turn out, if Wander Franco actually gets to play and Jared clinic doesn't get screwed by the Mariners, but um, I've never been so excited about a team as I am for this team. I'm so excited personally for, my team because of the possibilities like O'Neill Cruz is kind of a, kind of a joke. The dude's like six foot eight and as a shortstop, um, but he's fun to keep. It was much more fun to keep him than Archie Bradley. So, uh, or Justin Verlander to keep on the DL all year. So um, that was, that was kind of a, a throwaway one, but you know, some of these guys are, are amazing prospects like Joe Adele and clinic and, and wander and i'm super super excited to see some of these young guys come up disappoint me make me cuss a lot and then you know i'll wind up uh dropping them so that somebody can draft them in the third round next year as yeah. soon as you said as soon as you were like uh you know i'm hoping next year i we were looking at this and all these guys panned out and that's where the arrested development narrator comes <laughs> in and goes they did not pan out they did not. <laughs> so it, i mean it, i mean it's cool strategy and all but uh, there's a few things that I want to point out about this. If all these guys come up, which I'm sure they're all at least scheduled 2022, uh, you know, Adley is going to maybe this year, Wander maybe this year, uh, Pearson's already up, uh, Joe Adele is, is already up, Clinic probably next year or this year, Gilbert next year or this year, and O'Neill Cruz. All these guys come up, uh, you're, you're pushing out somebody uh, that you've kept also. Yeah. Well, and it's also a numbers game. It's also a how many prospects actually pan out. Well, you have you a know? Key, you have a whole keeper team that hasn't played baseball yet. So is what I'm trying to. <laughs> it's Alex Bregman, George yeah. Springer, and what? Well, that's and, what I'm and, saying. And a whole bunch of guys that could could be all stars or or could not. And but it creates and some tough decisions. It creates some it tough does. decisions. 
uh, and in the that's future. why and that's why you have Kevin Biggio as a seventh round pick rather than being my 22nd round keeper. I mean, yeah. those tough decisions are what it's all about, but I'd rather be making those tough decisions than not have the opportunity to get those guys at all. And, and, and just by a quick eye, I mean, yeah, O'Neill Cruz may not pan out or whatever, uh, but a quick judge of the eye, uh, probably your worst keeper or worst prospect keeper out of all of them is the highest pick uh, in, in Pearson. You know, Adley is supposed to be, uh, you know, a generational catcher type player. Wander Franco's number one prospect in baseball. Uh, Joe Adele, Kalinick, all these players are really good. And if, uh, you got Pearson at six. So it's just, you know, I don't know. It's something. Yeah, about. Pearson was the, I think he was the number one pitching prospect last year. Um, he came up, wasn't as good as we had hoped. Uh, I say we, as in like all Blue Jays fans and any people that don't even fancy. Um, but uh, I, he still has the potential. He's he's a big, I mean, he's he's Roger Clemens without the steroids, you know. Hmm. Um, we, we hope without the steroids. Nate, Nate, keep it clean. Yeah. But, um, you know, I felt that's where I had to draft him in order to get him because of the way the league has moved because this draft board looks like it does. And I knew that folks that were at the top of those prospect lists were going to start coming off the board. I mean, Mackenzie Gore was drafted in the next round. And so um, I felt that I wanted one of those top pitching prospects and Nate Pearson was that guy. And, and the sixth round was where to take him. So if he turns out to be, you know, Roger Clemens, then sixth round is awesome the years that I kept Justin Verlander in the seventh round was amazing. Uh, but you know, you never know. All right, let's, let's move on to a final topic. Um, and this is, we're still addressing people's keepers, but give me the three best and three worst. Now I want to be clear. So Huck doesn't misunderstand the very basic instructions I'm giving you (laughs) value wise, who are the three most valuable keepers and the three least valuable keepers you see on this board across all the teams players this is, individual players yeah this is a very clear-cut statement unlike what you said earlier when you started talking about potential draft picks or draft situations anyway uh i don't know if john's done his homework i'm gonna venture to say i have no. i've i've studied this board for hours yeah. <laughs> uh i will give my best uh here obviously to jr i think in the 19th round to jr could be MVP, you know, before we know it. I mean, and he's in the 19th round. I think it's better than Judge, uh, who I have at number two. Uh, Judge still at, at, at 21, uh, the best, one of the best keepers in the league. Um, I think that anytime you have somebody like Judge, uh, who is a walking home run um, in a spot where other people might pick a third reliever they might drop before the season starts. Um, that's obviously good value. And the last one I had to decide between two players, uh, Arenado or Hira. Um, I'm taking Arenado. Uh, I think in the 17th round, I th- think that he's still um, probably the number one third baseman in the league. And uh, yeah, he's in the 17th. And I, I, I think that uh, that's extraordinary value, even though he's uh 
been in the league for what going on seven eight years so Did you say arenado or hiero yeah keston okay yeah yeah i think keston here has really good value at that at that spot i think he's a great player uh my worst uh this was tough and Who's i don't on brad steve yeah i don't want to just say all brad's players but uh number one is not on brad's team number one is eduardo escobar um we hated on eduardo escobar last year at number five uh going into this year and we were like oh this is disgusting and uh, let me just quickly bring up Eduardo Escobar's statistics. He was really good like two years ago. Yes, 2018. Once. Yeah, once, 2018. And ago. he wasn't before uh, this. But last year, he batted 212 with four home runs, 20 RBIs, three triples, seven doubles, had a 605 OPS. Obviously, 203 at bats, limited, but, uh, you know, wasn't really that great in 2019 as well um and so we're talking about a 2018 player was last time he was like keepable and he's just holding on to him which kind of plays into the fact that he's just not keeping up with the times and he's chase has this thing where he holds on to players for just like way too long i think he had buster posey into like last year or two like years last ago or something year. like there in the third round <laughs> like the guy hasn't evan longoria how long yeah. did he keep evan longoria <laughs> for a long time in like the second round i mean he had, just has this affinity for these players that he thinks are really good i mean god i i, I kept benintendi one too many years i get that at number three um because i really liked him but that wasn't as bad as this one who we hated on last year and then this year he kept him again um I'm going to take only one of Brad's players because uh, the lack of depth at the catcher position, you could say Salvador Perez is a decent six rounder uh, because there's just not a lot of catch out there. And so if you're wrapping up that position, it's a six round. It's not like totally got awful. Like you could say that Salvador Perez could be picked in the sixth round, maybe, um if if somebody was really hungry for a catcher uh you know we wouldn't say it's a good pick but then again we might not scream it's terrible um so i'm just going to take gray as the number two i think that anytime you have a uh pitcher for colorado that's not uvaldo jimenez after that cy young year um he was great it was great it was a wonderful year and you should have definitely kept him if you had him but then he was out of baseball like the next year or two years later um partly because he pitched in Colorado and it's so like, it's unbelievable how bad Colorado is for pitchers. I mean, like fly balls turn into home runs, singles turn into doubles. Like it's crazy. Um, And so like the road home splits are nuts and John Gray's like, not even, I mean, is he the ace of this team? It's a terrible team. Ace is a relative term. Ace is a relative term. I mean, I guess if you're the opening day starter, uh, for a awful team. I mean, this is... No, that's still Herman Marquez. Sure, yeah, you're right. So he's probably two, maybe three. Because uh, if like you're counting, the... Freeland had a good year. So yeah. we're talking about the third pitcher, maybe fourth pitcher for the Rockies in the 11th round. It's like, oh, you had to keep... Like, just disgusting. Um, and then last, I'm going to take, and just because it's so high... Um, I will say that Kershaw 
was one that I really considered because I think Kershaw in the second is like Kershaw is kind of delved into a three four. Um, and I think that if if Tony was to throw Kershaw back in, he would not be a first. I think he would. You think Kershaw would be a first? And well, look at th- look at the other pitchers that are available. That's that's the only reason. I okay, see. I don't think he's the best pitcher available. I don't think he's the second best or third best. I would rather have Woodruff or uh, some other pitcher. I think they just have better value. You're right. I think he'd be like top five, worst top ten, um, but. That's why there, there's an argument to be made, but he's not the guy. I think Grinky is the guy um, in the fourth round. I think Grinky, he's a good pitcher. Don't get me wrong, um, but he's not going to get you like a ton of strikeouts. Uh, he's not going to blow a lot of people away. He's like pitching in the upper 80s, lower 90s. Not that's terrible, um, but he's a fourth round person. That's really high. Um, I know he's like the Astros ace this year. Uh, but you know, it's just not good value. I think at that number four spot. So yeah, those are my three, uh, worst picks. Okay. Uh, I mean, I still think Granky would have been taken in or around the fourth round. I, I it's not as valuable not as it used to be, yeah. but you know, he still would have been taken up there. You would not be happy as a top three pick as a Granky. I would, I would be happy with any pick available to me in the top six rounds yeah. right now. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, to me, three best picks, obviously Tatis, uh, it, you know, you have to consider Tatis. Um, surprised you left out Bellinger. Yeah. I don't like Bellinger. That's what I, 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 I'm Nobody just not a. Nobody likes Bellinger. No, I don't know. Like yeah. He goes, he's a very streaky player. He goes through a lot of stretches where he bats 200. Yeah. I, he's still one of the best players in baseball. Um, he's up there. It's just not. It, Tatis, Judge, Arenado. I still, so I, I like Judge a lot. Um, I mean, shit, man. Lindor in the 17th is still fantastic. At least for the next two years, Max Scherzer in the 15th is still going to be a top three pitcher. And once you, like, once you get after, like, the 12th round, the difference in the 12th round and the 16th round to me is minimal. Like, the difference between first and fourth round, different. But like once you get in the twelfth round, there are guys where it's like, oh shit, that's great value in the twelfth. And there are guys that some people are just like, I gotta make sure I pick them before somebody else does. And a lot of it is just minor leakers, you know. So um, I still think the fifteenth round is pretty late, and Scherzer in the fifteenth is still that, that to me is still huge. Um, as for my worst three, I agree with Huck on Escobar. Uh, John Gray is not the only bad pick of Brad's. Brendan Rogers. I know he's on the Rockies. He's currently doesn't have a spot. God, Brendan Rogers. It's kind of like how Trevor's talking about Michael Kopech. Uh, yeah, but Brendan, Michael Kopech has talent, dude. Brendan I Rogers have bad. I have a, like 2015 Brendan Rogers prospect card. Yeah, he was he was a prospect back then. But is that when Brad drafted him? <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, Brad's had him for like four or five years. He's just not looking at statistics, I guess. He still thinks he's like he's Brendan Rodgers has really done absolutely nothing. No, he's come up to the majors in the last two years in a row and he has been horrendous. He lost yeah. his future job to first Trevor Story. Because remember, like Trevor Story came up God. and it was like, oh, Brendan Rodgers might take his job. And then Trevor Story went nuts. Now Hampson is going to be their second baseman. There's no way Brendan Rodgers gets any playing time without 
one of those guys getting hurt or traded, which the latter is potential. Uh, there's potential in it, but it's not worth a. I think Hampson plays center field now. You Does gonna he? draft Hampson in the third round, Hook? Yeah, I don't know. I, I I've seen Hampson be good. I've also seen Hampson just be like god awful. He literally hasn't hit 250 in his career ever. Um, I like triples and steals, but uh, but Garrett Hampson is not. Yeah. I don't like Matt Olson in the first. I'll be honest. Like I, I, I thought about that. Yeah, it's it's only because it's a first round pick. I think Matt Olson's a fine player, and I think he still would have gone in the fourth or fifth. But I don't think he's worth the first. But round his pick. end of first because he was in the championship. So that's true. That helps. And honestly, I it's hard for me to hate on an eighteenth round pick, but Aaron Hicks would not have been drafted, Victor. Like <laughs> he would not have been drafted by anybody in any round in any league. It's not, he's not fantasy relevant. I know you kept him because he's a Yankee and I, I don't know. Who... Is he not? I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not saying that he's not fantasy relevant, but he was two years ago and last year um, in a shortened season, he was kind of hurt, but I mean, I still think he plays, he gets 400 bats, right? Am I wrong? His best season ever, the the one good season you're talking about was in 2018. Yeah. He got a bunch of at-bats because a bunch of players were injured, and he had 27 homers, um, and bat 248. Uh, that's it. Uh, honestly, the last two years. Didn't he have 100 RBIs or something like that? Nope. He had 79 RBIs, 11 steals. He was okay in, two, yeah. in 2018 as a fill-in player. And then the last two years, I mean, granted, last year's last year, but he still bat 225. Year before that, he bat 235 in a reserve role in the outfield because, you know, the outfield was healthier than they were in 2018. So and I think he got hurt in 2019. So Frazier plays probably over him? I th- I think so. I don't know. He's a fucking 220, 230-something hitter. Like Jacoby Ellsbury. In Yankee Stadium. Uh, I don't. I don't know why the Yankees would give him 600 at bats. Maybe they will. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I just I I don't think I don't think it was worth one of the eight keeper slots. Um, so 18th round is is what it is. Like if 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 he ended up drafting him there, I'm too drunk at that point to care. But get in my division. <laughs> okay, John, have you had enough time to peruse the draft board? To make uh, it? Yes, I have. I have clearly gone over it. Now, um, it, it's I mean it's pretty obvious. It's a lot of the things that y'all said. I will say one thing that surprised me that you didn't say is uh, now and probably for the next few years, the best keeper, and, and it has been the best keeper for since this league started, is Mike Trapp. Uh, I mean, just the we gap, were... the gap between seven people <clears throat> drafted in seventh and, and people drafted in the 19th, like the T's. I, I agree, but if we were starting the league today with zero keepers, uh, I would. Would you draft? Well, you might draft Tatis. I draft, you know, bets first. Maybe? Bets is um, more categories. I don't know. I mean, dude, Mike Acuna Trout is just Acuna's up there. Yeah, no, Trout's, Trout's top five. Trout. If if you could guarantee me that Trout's going to have six hundred at bats, I think he's a top three fantasy player this year. He's twenty nine. Yeah, like, I feel like he's been in the league since I was like two. He's twenty nine. Yeah. Um, and, and then you start looking because uh, that's the thing is as soon as you said who are the best picks or who are the best uh, keepers, I immediately went to the last five rounds. Right. And that's where you start looking because that's where you're really looking for that value. 
obviously Tatis is that value. Um, Bellinger, all of those guys, Luis Robert could be an MVP candidate. Robert. You know, um, whatever. Uh, Lou Bob. Lou Bob. Uh, Lou Bob. All, all of those could be completely unbelievable. But, I mean, there are still some guys that are towards the, the front of the draft that just have a ton of value that I wish were on my team. I mean, I wish I had Mookie Betts, whether he's in the fourth round or first round or whatever. And so, you know, I, I think that a lot of the value talk does get lost in the last round be- or in the last few rounds because we've had so many guys pan out like Arnado in the 17th and, uh, and um, Francisco Lindor and, and guys like that. So, uh, you know, I think that you can argue semantics over who's better, but in the end, there's a ton of MVP candidates in here where it gets me uh, are the bad picks. I mean, I'm sorry, but I understand Huck's argument of catcher being, uh, you know, there's not that many good catchers out there, but explain to me how much better Salvador Perez is than an 18th round catcher. Uh, I just don't know that that value is there. Um, And compare that to another sixth round pick. Who can you get in the sixth round and compare that person to an 18th round catcher? And it's just, I just think that that doesn't do you any good. And, uh, you know, and I'm interested, I kept Adley Rutschman, he's a catcher, and I'm hoping that he turns out to be this amazing offensive catcher that kind of stands out. I don't know that that's going to happen, but there's a shot that that could happen. Uh, But man, catchers, like I said, if you're keeping an active non-Real Muto catcher right now, I just don't know that that's smart unless it's in the last, like anything in the last four to five rounds is free game. Sally Perez is really damn good. Um, He's really damn good, but is he that much better than a guy you're going to take later in the, in the draft? I think so. Yes. He bat three thirty last year with 11 homers in the shortened season before that. um, Yeah. two thirty five with 27 homers uh, the year before that 268 with 27 homers, like, Having somebody that's going to bat 250 plus with 25 plus homers and get over 500 at bats, which is the more important thing out of the catcher position. Yeah. I, that's huge, man. I'm not like, arguing Salvador Perez being a bad player. I'm arguing the sixth spot not being a good spot for him. And even that's arguable. And that's why I didn't include him in the worst. I, you know, there's argument to be made. Maybe it's bad, but, you know, he's no John Gray. I, I, I do know John Gray. I don't knock him being kept in the sixth at all. Um, I'm not saying it's it's the, the best keeper ever, but I think there are you know five or six picks way worse than that on this draft board. And I'm not saying he's bad. I mean, he's a good player. You, you know, if he got thrown back, he might have gotten drafted a little bit earlier than the sixth round. But I think he is an example of someone who's going to get drafted much, much higher because the top – X number of players are already off of our draft board, no matter what. Right. Um, And so he got drafted in the sixth round, but he's not sixth round value. And I just, uh, so I don't believe in drafting any catcher that, that high. I guess you can argue Salvi Perez because he plays more than most catchers. So that's where a lot of his value comes in. I don't see him hitting 330 again. Granted, well, no. 
short sample, small sample size. No, he's like a 260, 265 guy. You expect 20 to 25 yeah. homers, you know? Um, now, I was a John Gray believer a couple of years ago. I tried to draft him, and Brad drafted him over me, and I was pissed. And I think Brad's kept him ever since. Yeah, fuck What's you, Brad. <laughs> you blew it for us. <laughs> you blew it. This so guy I, is so I, good. I, I, don't, I don't quite understand that. I mean, but like I said earlier, there are some bad keepers that we can pick out of the board. But uh, overall, I'm I'm pretty impressed with the draft board. I, I think there's a lot of really good keepers and a lot of really good teams going in the season. I think it's going to be good. Once again, politician answer. Yeah, well John's done. like, everybody's doing great. Vote for Vote me. Vote for fucking John. <laughs> I was about to say, did you like John Gray because his name is John? Yeah, yeah. Great name. Spells it wrong, though. What an idiot. No H. No H. That's why he sucks. All right. Well, um, I think that just about covers all that we need to talk about fantasy baseball wise when we haven't had a draft and uh, we've been talking for what, two and a half hours, something along those lines. You guys have anything to add before um, we get sent out before the draft actually happens? uh no I, i'd like to do an, a couple more before before we draft in a few weeks maybe not two and a half hours but uh you know something shorter to talk about you know goings-ons in the league and just shoot the shit about the uh about about players and and draft strategy yeah we yeah might, i mean we might have to look at that we were shooting for an hour um or under an hour and we went to about two and a half so Next time, if we shoot for an hour, well, you know, maybe get a little closer. I seriously doubt it, but you know, that's okay. How we were shooting for an hour, and then we got into Brad's team. We even <laughs> got to help Brad's ourselves. Team. Honestly, we need to set our sights on like eight-minute podcasts if we want to realistically hit an hour <laughs> in the future. There are three breezes on one podcast. That's the way. This but works. I think that we could, like Huck said, have a couple more before the draft. We've got what? Well, I don't know. Seventeen days before the draft. We would have to do one each week, and I think that that's possible. I think yeah. we could come up with enough to talk about. I think so, too. So uh, look forward to more episodes like this coming up in the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, I'm excited about baseball season. I'm glad you guys are, too. Um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Hey,